Welcome to the Successful Women Rock Podcast Show, where we share insights, experiences, and resources that help women be ready to be unapologetic and unleash the full force and magnificence of who they are. Because successful women rock. Now here's your host, Rhonda Y. Williams. Hello, 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 everyone out there. I'm so excited to be back again. I want to welcome you to the Successful Women Rock podcast show. And this is episode number five. And we today are going to talk about outrageous confidence to rock your success. We're going to talk about the outrageous confidence (laughs) that help you rock your visibility in your business and your life. So I am Rhonda Y. Williams. I'm known as the Dream Life Coach, and I will be your host for the show. And today's show is powered by the Society of Successful Women. We are an achievement-driven organization for women of influence where we have one simple goal, and that is to help you achieve yours. I believe if you are ready to stop spinning, to stop, ready to reduce that feeling of overworked and overwhelmed, ready to achieve your next level breakthrough, then go on over and visit societyofsuccessfulwomen.com. So now on to our show. I'm super excited today um, to uh, welcome today's guest, Cindy J. Holbrook to the show. Um, Cindy, let me just tell you a little bit about um, Cindy and then she'll share a little bit more with us once we get started. So Cindy, aka the visibility whiz, is uniquely talented at guiding entrepreneurs to thrive as they go up the ladder from being the best kept secret to trusted and in-demand online authority. She's been featured on Huffington Post Live, uh, Women's Speaker Association TV, eHarmony, Prevention Magazine, AOL, MSNBC, Fox, and as a guest on numerous online summits. Her mission is to guide entrepreneurs to have the confidence and the know-how so that they can succeed. I'm so very excited to welcome you to the show. Welcome, uh, Cindy. Well, thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. Yes, I'm so excited to have you. And, and Cindy, Cindy J, just so that we all keep that straight, she definitely goes by Cindy J. Well, so, yes, I go by Cindy J and just the visibility whiz because, uh, you know, anytime you're marketing yourself, and it's probably why you go by Rhonda Y, but yeah. uh, um, there's a Cindy Holbrook Harlequin romance writer. And oh. I used to get tons and tons and tons of requests asking me if I was her. (laughs) (laughs) I definitely understand that. And, you know, it's hilarious that you say that because there is also a Rhonda Williams that is an author. Uh And I'm an author too. You know, I've got several books out. And so to keep things straight, I definitely stick with the Rhonda Y. So I absolutely (laughs) understand that part of it. So, so Cindy, uh, let's start by having you share a little bit about your success journey. Yes. And, you know, my success journey is, I think all of ours does starts whenever we're born. And a lot of times I think people look at successful people and think that they were born into this like great family with great parents. And believe me, I was not born into a leave it to beaver household in any way, shape or form. I was physically, sexually and mentally abused by my father uh, my whole life. And it was like this deep, dark skeleton in our closet. 
at age 18, I married a mentally abusive man that I stayed with for 20 years. So for the first 30 some odd years of my life, my whole life was devoted to being who I thought other people wanted me to be. And it was definitely repressing me. At age 35, I had my first coach, and she told me, Cindy, your life is your choice. And uh, her coaching and really me realizing that I could be who I wanted to be. I could do who I do what I wanted to do. And most of all, I didn't have to be who everybody else wanted me to be because it wasn't authentically who I was, and it definitely wasn't making me happy. I was very sad, very depressed, and not in a good shape when I was 35 years old. Um, so at 35, I really started what I call my success journey. When my coach said my life was my choice, I thought she was nuts because at the time my life was complete chaos. Um, I had multiple deaths in my immediate family. My uh, husband had told me he didn't love me no more, but was going to stay with me because of the kids. I had a teenage daughter that was getting into gangs and was being very rebellious. And so I just thought, how am I choosing this, right? right? But in time, I realized that I couldn't control all this crap that was happening to me. All I could control was what I thought about it and what I did about it. So um, this is when my, per se, self-help journey started. And so I started reading everything I could really about who I was and who I wanted to be and letting go of so many limiting beliefs that I've held throughout the years. And I started my first online business in 2001. And so I did various businesses, but I, when it wasn't until I found coaching in 2009 that I completely fell in love with it. I was in social services for 20 years. So I've always loved helping people. But helping people through coaching is, to me, one of the most rewarding, fulfilling things that I can do. And it's, to me, why I was put on this earth and what I meant to do. Wow, that's pretty, that's pretty amazing that you have um, managed to take your life through such um, a transition and a turnaround. And I love when she said that, you know, your life is, is your choice. Mm-hmm. And Cindy, at the moment that she said that to you, were you still feeling like you had to live a little bit in the past? Or was it that moment that you began to realize that the past was the past and you could truly leave it behind? Uh, It definitely wasn't instantaneous, wished it was, but it wasn't uh, because I wasn't so much turmoil, but it was definitely the beginning. I had to gain confidence. I really had to gain outrageous confidence to leave my husband. He never would have left me. My first husband never, ever would have left me. And regardless, you know, it was a very unhealthy relationship, but that's all I had ever known. So if somebody were to tell me about a healthy relationship like what I have with my husband now, I wouldn't even have thought that it existed because I really didn't have any healthy relationships uh, that I could model after, so I thought. And uh, so whenever she said that, it really took a a couple years, but my confidence started growing. She would ask me, what would you do if? And from the books that I read and from working with her, I slowly started gaining my confidence to even leave my first husband. And that was the most scariest, scariest thing in my life because uh, not just monetary reasons, which was huge because he made 80,000, I made 20,000 a year. And I thought, how am I going to support two teenage kids if he doesn't give me any money? But also, um, 
I had never lived by myself before. I had always lived under the rule of the big, strong man, had to do exactly what they said to do, when they said it, how to do it, how to speak, how to dress. And I was, so breaking out of that was really a huge thing. Wow. Thank you so much for being open and transparent and sharing this story with us, because I think that um, there's probably a lot of entrepreneurs and women out there that can see themselves um, in your journey. And so, you know, did you at the, you know, you began to decide that you wanted something different for, for your life. And did you yes. go through this process of visualizing like what that looked like, what the future could look like as opposed to what it was looking like at that moment? Oh, definitely. And that was a lot, you know, with my coach asking me questions, what would I do if... Uh, what's very interesting, you know, I'm an avid believer of the law of attraction. Uh, at that time, I had never heard of it. I really didn't hear about the law of attraction until The Secret in 2006. But one thing that I always find really amusing and interesting is that during the last couple of years of my first marriage, I was very... Um, there's just so much going on, so much going on. I felt very, very alone, very isolated. The only person in my immediate family that uh, was a lot, well, that I didn't have anybody in California. Let's just say that. I lived in California, but none of my family lived in California. So not even my children. So it was like, well, no, they did then. They don't now. <laughs> both grew up and moved out of California, but I didn't have anybody in California and I didn't have anybody close except for my ex-husband's family. So it was really like having to pull out of that. Mm -hmm. um, <coughs> excuse me. But I had, um, I had developed what I called my dream man. And so this is what kept me sane during this. So I never was really like, I wasn't even doing it on purpose, but this was just my fantasy. And it's really how I survived my childhood even, was fantasizing about a different world. Um, wow. So while I was contemplating divorce or, you know, getting confident to leave my first husband, what I did was I was constantly telling my best friend about my perfect man, you know, his qualities, his traits, his sense of humor. <clears throat> just anything and everything of what I wanted in a man. Now, I met my current husband within a year of leaving my first husband, and what drew me to him so much was he has every single quality that I touted about for two years while I was contemplating divorce. Wow. So the law of attraction was definitely at play at for play. you. Yes, definitely at play. Um, since then, I've learned how to uh, utilize it, you know, uh, consciously versus right. unconsciously. Nice. Very, very cool. So so let's start by shifting a, a little bit and, and talking about uh, some of what entrepreneurs um, might be dealing with. And you know, uh, when I think about sort of entrepreneurship today, the first thing I think is, oh my gosh, what a crowded marketplace, right? There's so much, so many businesses out there, so much competition, everyone's online. And so, you know, is that something that you hear coming from people you work with? I do, but you know what's funny? It's like, it's seriously, it's like, I want to be visible. No, I don't. I'm going to put on a mask. I'm not going to let anybody see me. I'm going to hide. Okay. Uh, so there's this conflict, there's this inner conflict going on. I want to be visible? No, I don't. Because of all these inner fears that we have. And, you know, I've never met anybody that didn't have fears to begin with when they get online. Right. Uh, you know, so you know you have to be visible. 
but there's these fears. So I find, you know, some of the top fears, number one, somebody will sit there and they'll go on like, oh, well, I just don't know where to start. I, you know, I don't know where to start. There's just so much out there that I'm just not going to do anything because I need to know where to start. Where are my clients? <laughs> and what I say to them is, number one, is the reason, and I've drilled this down with lots of people, and it all comes down to one fear, is the fear of making a fatal mistake. Mm. If I don't do anything, I'm safe. If I don't get started, if I don't, if I don't at least, you know, try to go on Facebook or try to do video or go on LinkedIn or even build my website, I'm safe. And right. this is, again, goes behind like the perfect, I have to be perfect online. I don't want anybody to see my flaws or my quirks because that would just be a horrible thing. So therefore, you're safe and you're not going to make that fatal mistake. And the fatal mistake is only fatal if you allow it to be fatal. Mm. When I began coaching in 2009, I was the compassionate divorce coach. And uh, I got invited to Huffington Post Live uh, with a panel of experts because of an article I had written about um, friends with benefits after divorce. So Huffington Post Live, uh, whenever they were marketing this episode, they stated, Certified divorce coach Cindy Holbrook tells all of her clients to find a friend with benefits. And I thought, no, 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 no. My business is over. I might as well just hang it up. My God, that's not what I said at all. What right. I did say was, I believe that it's better to have a friend with benefits than multiple one night stands. Huge mm -hmm. difference. <laughs> But, you know, wow. this is something that you're afraid of, that fatal mistake. Yes. And the thing is, no mistake is fatal because it's up to you to choose what you do with it afterwards. Again, going back to your life is your choice. Your business is your choice. Mm -hmm. And, you know, at first I was, I mean, I went to bed and cried and cried. But then all of a sudden I started, you know, I got so much bad feedback. I can't even tell you, especially having to post all these people like yelling at me and screaming at me. But there's always those golden gems in middle, you know, the diamonds in the rough, right? And so I started getting people that would ask me questions and started talking. I got a whole lot of clients from that episode. Wow. And had I just given up because like, I was like this close to giving up because I thought Huffington Post is so huge and they misquoted me so badly that it was the end. Nobody would ever trust me, right. but it actually doubled my business. Wow. And so that's a great example of sort of turning that lemon moment into lemonade, right? Right. But that's what, that's what you're afraid of. And that's why you're not getting out there and trying something because you're afraid of that fatal mistake. That is very scary. You know, I will tell you that uh, for someone like, um, I think there are many, many of us that live on the edge of that perfectionist world, right? We, we want to have everything just so, everything nice, neat, and tidy with a little bow wrapped around it and a nice, neat little package before we can ever decide we're ready to move forward. So I love that you called out that that fatal mistake, only ha it's only fatal in our minds, right? It's only fatal if we allow it to be fatal. Exactly.
Yeah, no, I love that. And so, and what are some other fears um, you think that are holding people back from really raising that visibility online? Um, Another one is definitely believing that you don't know enough Mm. with anybody. Who am I to share people about divorce? Who am I to share people about visibility? Who am I to share with people about how to get healthy or lose weight or anything else, you know, uh, save their money? And also, so with this, it's the fear of being an imposter. It's the fear of being called out. We are always our own worst enemy. And that's why, again, we like wearing these masks. Right. If we have the mask on then we are we feel protected we feel like people aren't going to see inside and talking about masks this is why so many people um and you've seen this with so many coaches instead of having their picture and their profiles they have pretty little rocks and little clothes <laughs> they have they might have their picture of a baby or they have this picture you know that's 20 years old they have you know all kinds of stuff up there except for them And all of this is because you're afraid of being an imposter. You're you're hiding. I had one client, it took me like almost a year for me to get him to put his picture on his Facebook profile and his business page because he thought, well, I don't want these other people. I don't want the people I know about knowing, you know, he's an engineer. I don't want these people that I know about knowing that I'm into self-improvement and I have the self-improvement blog. Wow. And uh, so, the, so he definitely had this conflict, and we do. We have this conflict with, um, you know, our parents. I'd spoken to somebody before who their parents always told them, "Who are you to say that? Don't you don't want to be a laughing stock, so don't share that with anybody." Or, good girls sit there nice and quiet. Oh my goodness! You know, we could probably do a whole show <laughs> on the whole good girl syndrome, right? <laughs> You know, I got to tell you, it is just the thing with us. But you think about everything that we hear from the time we are very, very little. For Mm -hmm. as women, all we hear is about being good, behaving, be quiet, you know, sort of don't be too wild, don't be too rough, don't be too loud. You know, all of these things that basically say to us, if you are these things, then you're not the good girl. And gosh, what an impact that it has on our psyche. Exactly. And and our business. And it's, it's, you know, it's letting, breaking through these fears. And it's, I mean, I've done it, you've done it. Um, Anybody that's successful has broken through these fears. But sometimes whenever you're going through these fears, and they're so strong, and you might be, again, you know, with your mask, I'll have a different mask this time. You have your other (laughs) mask on. You're putting this mask on because of the fears. Right. You know, and this is why I even talk about like outrageous confidence, because it really takes a little bit of outrageous confidence to step out of those fears. Are you tired of being held back by unrelenting judgment of others? Are you ready to build confidence and release the fear standing in the way of your purpose? At the Society of Successful Women, we have one goal to help you achieve yours. Visit the Society of Successful to request your interview today. Now, back to the show. The third fear is really it's the you're you're um, finding a billion things to do, 
saying that you're working on your business, but you're not really asking for the sale. You're not really putting yourself out there. So you're making, you're being very busy, but not where it counts. And that's a fear of not being enough. Hmm. It's just not being enough. And the fear of not being enough is a little bit different than the fear of not knowing enough. Because if you feel that you're not enough, there's some shame in there. And, you know, I definitely had that fear of not being enough. You know, with my first husband, I swear, I was so controlled that I used to phone him up at work and say, I'm running a temperature of 101. Do you care if I call in sick to work? I mean, I seriously did Uh that. Because I was so, so I didn't feel like I was enough. You know, I felt like I just was nothing, you know, and that's how a lot of people, you know, mental abuse, all the abuse that I've gone through, mental abuse is really the worst. And there's very few people out there that haven't been mentally abused in one way or another. That's all those voices in our head that's trying to keep us small. Mm-hmm. And those voices are saying, you're not enough. Who are you to do this? You're going to be a laughing stock. You're going to make that fatal mistake. You know, whatever these voices are, and you need to step back and say, are they true? First of all, are they my voices? Which usually as soon as you say, whose voice is that? Somebody pops to mind. Mm -hmm. And second of all, it's, are they true? And that's how you, you know, work through these fears because we all have them, but again, to get to that outrageous confidence is letting it's letting go of these fears, and it's you know it's walking through the fears as um, Kennedy said. All we have to fear is fear itself. I think it was Kennedy. Maybe it was Roosevelt. I forget. But all we have is fear. <laughs> all we have to fear is fear itself, because um, because. Something I learned from Christian Michelson, he said that all fears, all fears, regardless what the fear is, is afraid of a feeling. Mm. And if you really think about that, that is what our fears are. We're afraid of feeling rejected. We're afraid of, uh, you know, feeling like we're a laughingstock. We're afraid of crying. We're afraid of losing everything we have. We're afraid of not being a part of a community, you know, and it's these feelings. And so all these things like the the fear of not being enough and um, fear of rejection, all of these things all have to do with the feeling we're going to have. That's what we're afraid of. It's not the actual happening of it. It's how we're going to feel after it happens. Well, you know, that's such an awesome point because, so my love is emotional intelligence. And at my coaching practice, I coach people using that foundation of emotional intelligence. And it's such an important point that you raise because in in the end, everything that we do is about a feeling, right? Mm-hmm. Think of everything that you do. And I hadn't really thought about it specifically in relationship to fears, but think about why do you buy something? Because it makes you feel good because you enjoy it. Why do you want that love of your life, that perfect man, mm-hmm. right? Because you're, you're going to feel a certain way. Why do you want your dream home? Because of how it's going to make you feel. So everything that we do is really connected. It goes back to um, the emotion we're trying to elicit. Or as you just um, aptly pointed out, the emotion we're trying to avoid. Right. So it's either trying to get an emotion or trying to avoid an emotion. Mm -hmm. Um, The reason why we do everything. Well, you know what, Cindy? Um, I think we just saw world peace and like (laughs) fix the entire world. We can probably stop talking right now because 
I think that point right there itself, <laughs> I hope you guys out there are listening. I hope you've got a pen and paper and that you're taking um, this key nugget away. So think about the feeling that you're trying to avoid or elicit in terms of doing what you do. Yeah, that's, that's, that's powerful. And so, <laughs> and so if I am in this um, place where I am fearful and I am feeling like I am not enough or I don't know enough um, or, you know, any of those fears, how do I begin to break out of that to develop this amazing, outrageous confidence that I see in you and that you talk about? Yeah. And I do want to explain. Number one, my definition of confidence is to be willing, willing to take action on something you've never done before or something you're terrified to do. Mm. So that's my definition of confidence. The definition of outrageous <laughs> is to be very bold, unusual, and startling. So what is outrageous confidence? It's really taking bold action that might be unusual or startling. So like, you know, whenever I put on this mask, that was like unusual. You're like, what in the hell is she doing, right? <laughs> um, so this is something that's it's, it's different, but this is who I am. I'm not doing it as a marketing. I like to play. I like to have fun. I like to do things like this. And so it's really outrageous confidence is stepping into your authentic self. You can't copy me. You can't copy Rhonda. You need to be exactly who you are. And it is a journey. As I said, you know, I definitely didn't start there and I'm sure Rhonda didn't either. Oh, no. But mm -hmm. you, it's, it's by taking those small actions. And this is something I see so many people say, well, I'm not confident enough yet. If you're sitting there and if you're taking all these actions that are going nowhere, or if you've been playing with your website, I actually know somebody who has done this. If you're playing with your website and you've been changing it and changing it and changing it for the last literally three years, <laughs> because it's not perfect yet. And so you're not going to share this website with anybody because it's not perfect yet. Then it's, it's, there's some fears going on in there and it's, confidence and what i find whenever you're doing that or the per the perfect syndrome as i like to call it is you are waiting to be confident until you do something well you know you're going to wait from now until if the cows come home and you will never have that confidence because confidence is not a state of which anybody arrives confidence is the state of being Confidence is a choice. Like my first coach told me, your life is your choice. And I'm here to tell you, your life and your business is your choice as well. Confidence is simply a state of being. It's choosing each and every moment to do something. And let me ask you, whenever you were four or five years old, how confident were you that you could drive a car? <laughs> Not and how all. confident yeah. are you now? Right. You know, it, it's a process that you go through. You know, you might have at five years old not even thought about driving a car. And then, you know, you get to a certain age, it's like, oh, I can't wait to drive. I can't wait to drive. And then the first time you got behind that wheel, you were like afraid. Oh, my God, I have to look at the rearview mirror. I have to look at the front. I have to look at the side mirrors. This is the brakes. This is the gas. And if you were back in my day, you also had to worry about the clutch and first gear and second gear and third gear. <laughs> so... There was all this stuff to remember, and it was terrifying. 
But then after you've been driving for a year, you don't even think about it anymore because you're confident that you're driving. But believe me, if you never take that first step and start driving, you're never going to be confident. So confidence is a state of being. It's consistently doing something until you're confident with it. Um, you consistently tie your shoe until you're confident with it. You right. consistently do video until you're con confident with it. You consistently write blog posts until you're confident with it. You consistently send out emails till you're confident with it. You mm -hmm. consistently do strategy sessions until you're confident with it. Um, there is no magic wand that poops, you're confident. <laughs> Are you sure? Because I'd really like to buy one of those confidence wands. <laughs> It's a state of being, and it's consistent action until you're confident with it. And it's this myth that we've, like, bought into everybody, like, well, I have to be confident before I do this. But the only way you're going to be confident is by being and by doing it. Um, I always like to share this. The first video I did, I swear, my daughter, she goes, Mom, that doesn't even look like you. You were, like, so still. I was like, my name <laughs> is Cindy. And then I was trying to remember verbatim the script that I had wrote right. and like practiced like 20 times and I still can remember each word, right? And then I'm like, oh my God, this is horrible. And so I would start over and it was horrible. I, I actually ran into this video whenever I was going through my computer a couple of weeks ago and it was sort of funny to watch. I never shared it with anybody, but that was where I started with video. <laughs> Wow. It's, isn't it really something that um, um, I love how you talk about the fact that it's a state of being and it's really simply where you are today. It evolves. I like to call, talk a bit uh, about confidence as an account, almost like a bank account. You can make deposits, you can make withdrawals, you can actually do things to hurt your confidence, but you can do things to build your confidence. And that's the most important point. When I, um, way back in my, uh, in my, sort of corporate days when I was uh, just getting started as the chief nursing officer. I would um, have to give these finance um, updates, right? And talk about my budget and my labor and if I was on track or not. And so it was funny because we had to give this update to our regional team. Well, the regional team was on a conference call. They weren't even in the room. I could not even speak. My voice was shaking. Every time I went to even start talking about my labor, my voice would get really shaky. And I, I was thinking that I was doing this really great job of hiding it until, until um, my, my uh, manager at the time said, do you know your voice is shaking? <laughs> and then I just felt super embarrassed, right? It just made the whole thing worse. I was like, oh my gosh. But you know, even today I get very nervous in certain situations, but I know I can push through it. I know I can do it. I have the confidence that it's going to turn out fine. But those are just old things. So confidence, I love what you said. It's not the absence of fear. It's not the absence of any of those things, right? But it's being able to push through it. It's being willing to do it. Yeah, and yes. push through it. You know, somebody else had said, um, I forget who it was, but I really love this too. Confidence is trusting yourself to do it. Mm. Regardless how good or bad it is, you're trusting yourself that you can do it. It might look ugly at first, like, you know, the first time you drove a car might not have been all that great. Right. Um, but you just trust yourself to do it. And I, I like that because it's easier, maybe it's easier for you to trust that, hey, I can do a video 
I mean, I don't have to show it to anybody, but I can do a video or I can write a blog post. I don't have to show it to anybody, but I can write it. Right. Um, this person seems interested in my services. I can ask them if they want to purchase my services. I can do that. I trust myself to ask them that. You know, one of the reasons why that's so hard is because we're afraid of that rejection. It goes back to that fear. Mm -hmm. And nobody, it, my best thing that I've ever heard about this is if you're at a party and every, and the host is passing out cookies and they say, do you want a cookie? Do you want a cookie? Well, some people are going to take it and some people aren't. And the people that aren't taking that cookie are not rejecting you or your baking skills or anything else about you. They just don't want a cookie right now. It's right. not time for them. So whenever somebody says no, they just don't want the cookie. It's not the right time for them. Also, um, with no's, know that a no is not going to hurt you. Again, as I said, your life is your choice. It's all about how you think about it. A no has never hurt anybody. It's never killed anybody. <laughs> a, a no, really, it's this what we make it up in our mind. We have this fear of no, like, you know, it's like the worst thing in the world. Oh, my God. Would, no, 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 I can't handle a no. But a yes is only going to help you. So with, I don't care what you do, what business you're in, even if you're like asking somebody on a date, you know, think about, you know, kids asking people on dates or you're looking for a job. How many of you have ever applied for a job and didn't get it? And that rejection, for lack of a better word, them not hiring you did not seem as big as a no as this person saying no to your services. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's not a right fit. But you have to go through so many no's before you find that yes that's going to help you. How many job interviews have you gone on before you found that perfect job? How many of you, really, anybody, right. is doing the same thing now that you were, you know, whenever you started out at 16 or 17 or 18? Most of us, when we start, you know, we started fast food. I didn't, but I know when I worked for Riverside County, they did a survey about how many people started their first job was in fast food. It was something like 85% of people start <laughs> with fast food. Wow. No, that's, it's so interesting that you talk, but you said something that I think is really interesting. It said, you said that you're building trust. It's really building trust in yourself. Self. Yes. And what you're describing is um, our ability to build trust in those small steps. It doesn't have to be big, huge, right? You don't have to, if you want to be a speaker and that makes you really nervous, you don't have to get on the stage in front of the Grand Ole Opry, right? For your first time. You can start small and make little steps and build that trust. And at the same time, I think there's an aspect of really building a tough self-love in there too. That regardless of what happens, if somebody doesn't think I'm wonderful and great, I think I'm wonderful and great. Right. I know it may not have been the best, but life's going to go on tomorrow. I'm going to be okay. I'm going to learn and I'm going to grow. Have a question or comment for Rhonda? She'd love to hear from you. You can text Rhonda personally at 469-304-9970. And now back to our show. But And I always tell people, we... Again, I think it's hardwired in us. We're constantly looking at our past failures. But whenever you want to do something new, look at your past successes. Mm -hmm. You know, a few years back, my grandson called me up. He was practically in tears. I'm so afraid, Grandma. I'm so, so afraid. I said, honey, what are you afraid of? 
I've never been in second grade before. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, he was really having a meltdown, right? It's like a week before he started second grade. And I said, well, sweetie, was you in kindergarten before you were in kindergarten? No. Was you in first grade before you were in first grade? No. I'm like, and how did that work for you? Did, was you okay with kindergarten? Did you like kindergarten? Did you make friends and learn stuff? Yes. How about first grade? Did you make friends and learn stuff? Yes. And that actually quieted his fear about going into second grade. Another thing, and I mean, he's unique, but he's um, nine now, but he was very afraid of flying. And my son, and my son would go, let's go on an airplane. And he would just like have a total anxiety attack. Um, but he had never done it before. Anything we're afraid of, we're afraid of because we've never done it before. And uh, so my son sat there and showed him statistics. Shows his nine-year-old kid, right? Statistics about how safe flying is compared to being in a car and different stuff. And so finally he goes, well, daddy, why do you want me to go on an airplane so bad? And my son said, because it's such a big, beautiful world. I want to take you places. And the only way we can go to these places is if we fly. And so finally he said, okay, daddy, I'll get on a plane with you. So they, um, my son lives in Phoenix, my daughter lives in Vegas. So they did this little short flight from Phoenix to Vegas because then he got to visit Auntie Amy. So he had something to look forward to at the end. Yay, I get to see Auntie Amy. And if we approach life that way and our business is that way, what is that fun thing at the end? Something, you know, yay, I get to see Auntie Amy. So what's your Auntie Amy in um, your business that you get to see once you take that step that you're afraid of. Absolutely. And, and knowing that is um, the biggest piece is knowing that it's a journey and it's a process. We are, um, I think we are so sometimes so married to the end result, that end outcome, that's all we can see. And we don't ever get to think about, oh gosh, remember the first time. Remember the first time I stood up. Remember the first time I rode a bike. Remember the first time I did all of these things along the way to the journey. Um, And so we can miss some amazing experiences in our life, so caught up in fear and Mm -hmm. so sort of paralyzed by that whole thing um, that we miss the journey, right? And who wants to do that? Because it really is. I was chatting with someone the other day and we were um, talking about the fact that the journey is so important. And the reason the journey is so important, even the ups and downs and the fears and all of that is because we don't ever arrive. Exactly. So if you don't ever arrive, you're not ever going to get to that point where you're like, yes, this is it. Everything can stop now. Life is over. I never have to do another thing. I never have to buy another house, never have to buy another car, right? We're never going to arrive. We're always evolving into something, one thing or next. So understanding that evolution and really um, embracing the journey, even the fears that go along with it, as long as you don't allow them to paralyze you, right? So when business owners are really thinking about um, getting bold and getting outrageous, what I hear you saying is, Take the small steps. Don't let the fears paralyze you. Know it's, that it's never going to be, you know, the end of the world, right? I mean, I always ask myself sometimes, what happens if it doesn't go well? What's going to happen? Am I going to cease to exist tomorrow? Like, am I going to like <laughs> spontaneously combust? Is, is the sun going to come up tomorrow? Um, and so, you know, I think sometimes we have to rationalize ourselves through it. 
Thanks. You know, sometimes, and it's just the way the law of attraction works too, but fears can really paralyze us in so many ways. And if we ask what's the worst can happen, whenever we face the worst, often it's this huge blessing. You know, my son, he was a single dad and he was, you know, he wanted to start his own business, but he was very afraid of letting go of that income. Mm -hmm. And so then he goes on vacation and he breaks his neck. Oh Um, no. And so he's made a 100% full recovery, thank God. Mm -hmm. But believe me, I mean, at the time he broke his neck, he was going through this bitter custody battle and then he breaks his neck. And then after he broke his neck, he got fired because he couldn't do his job. And all this happened like within a five to six month period. And my son was pretty devastated, but I, I lived in Arizona for a while with him after he broke his neck. And probably about two months after he broke his neck, he's like, I'm just going to start my own business. Whenever I get better, I don't want to have to, um, you know, go try to find another job. I know I can, but I'm just going to start my own business. So he asked his doctor if he could network with a broken neck. So naturally the doctor said, yes. So he got, he got his business license. He got everything in order. He started networking and it was probably about nine or 10 months after um, his accident that the doctor released him back to work. And um, he makes a, a lot more in his business than he ever did working for somebody else. He was like mega successful from the get-go, almost unheard of really whenever you're starting a business. But it was because the worst thing that happened to him really turned out to be the best thing that happened to him. Because had he not broken his neck and got fired, he probably would have never gave up the comfort of that regular weekly paycheck. Yeah, so that, that, that again, that moment where life throws you that, that curveball and it kind of bings you a little bit in the head, right? And then yeah. you just never really know what that's about and what's going to come out of the other side. Um, I, think that's, I think that's awesome. And, you know, um, let me just ask you before we, we start moving to close, are the steps for developing outrageous confidence different for introverts and extroverts? You know, I really don't think so, because really and truly what this step is, is taking bold action. So it means, really, it's taken off that mask. But you know why we all have these masks, too? If you've ever worked anywhere, you have to have a mask at that work. Mm-hmm. Even at McDonald's, you're expected to be a certain way. You're spe- expected to say certain things, act a certain way. So you can't let your personality, who you are in. Right. So you become this work person and you become your home person. And being an online entrepreneur, you need to combine the two of them. So outrageous confidence is taking bold action, but it's letting that outside world that we're used to hiding behind letting them see a little bit of who we are. It could be saying, but it could, you and introverts, a lot of times they aren't going to share as much as an extrovert, which right. is fine. You don't have to share everything. Believe it or not, as extroverted as I am, I have secrets too. No. Uh, <laughs> I have, uh, we'll talk um, about those offline, Cindy. <laughs> one, of, one of my, she was one of my first mentors. I love her, life coach, Mary. Mary, she, she makes throwing, her kids throwing up sound interesting. She really does. <laughs> but, 
but she tells you everything, but she doesn't tell you everything either. But she really shares a lot about her life. She's an inner peace coach. And so therefore, how, how her kids threw up and how she maintained on the airplane and she maintained inner peace through it all. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, and that's not me and I can't be her. I'm more of a storyteller with an, of a different type, let's say. But it's you knowing who you are. Who do your friends see? Who does your husband see? Who does your children see? And what little bit of this can you let the world see? Because you doing that is taking that bold action. So uh, with introverts, extroverts, the steps aren't the same, but maybe it's what you're putting out there is a little bit different. As an extrovert, we're probably putting out there a lot more than an introvert is to the begin with. Right. Okay. But the step is taking that one little bold action and then taking the second bold action, then the third bold action. Um, and it's continuing. Now, even though I'm an extrovert, my father, I used to write all the time um, in sixth grade. I wrote a 50 page book that my teacher was so impressed with that she sent it to this publisher friend who sent me a letter telling me that I was a great writer and I would have had a great imagination and would achieve success at a young age if I didn't get discouraged. Well, my father used to always tell me that I would be a laughing stock if I shared my writing with mm -hmm. anybody. So by the time I left my first husband, I had literally written three novels that I burned literally burned, threw them away because nobody was ever going to read what I wrote. No, 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 couldn't do that. I don't want to be a laughingstock. Right. So when I started my first business, I sold pewter figurines with a drop shipper. And I had to write descriptions of these pewter figurines, right? And this was, this is how I started writing online. Whoopee, the little description. <laughs> but within like three or four months, other people that were selling these pewter figurines were copying my descriptions. Wow. And, and, but number one, I took bold action by writing a description, as silly as that sounds. But then whenever other people started copying me, I thought, I must be pretty dang good if they're copying me. <laughs> <laughs> and then I started writing more. And then I, uh, then I started a, uh, a website in 2005 where I, um, was, uh, it was called Honest Diet Review. So I was reviewing all these different diet sites and I was getting commissions from it. I was doing affiliate sales. And the more I wrote, the more comfortable I got. And, you know, I've had people not like it, but that's fine. It said that about 30% of the people who see you or read your stuff are going to like you. About 30% are going to hate you. And the other 40% are going to be neutral. Right. So I'm here to serve that 30% that really like me. And that's who I focus on rather than the other 70%. I but it's taking fantastic. that little action, regardless how afraid you are, whether you're extrovert or introvert. I think that's fantastic, Cindy, because what you just said right there is really important because we sometimes want that 100% to like us, mm -hmm. Right. I mean, we want everyone to like us. And so, and knowing that that's just not reality and it's okay, right? You probably can't serve the entire world anyway. And so who is it that your message is really designed for? And those 30% are the people that love you and then you love them back. And then you develop this wonderful um, relationship between the two of you. And honestly, it's like, would you ever as a woman, go into, go to a party and think, I have to date every man in this room. <laughs> every man in this room has to love me because I'm just the best. 
<laughs> that would be um, exhausting. <laughs> it, it would be, and that's, that's what we do in business, and we want everybody to love us. <laughs> that is so true. Well, as we get ready to wrap up, I love asking our guests at the end of the show to share three key takeaways. And so um, I would love it if you would share three key takeaways you would like people to leave this conversation with. Sure. Number one is your life is your choice. You seen that coming, didn't you? (laughs) It's your choice. And your past does not define you. And remember that each day you have a choice to choose another action. You have the choice to choose the actions that are going to move you forward. You have the choice to choose the actions that are going to build your confidence. Mm -hmm. So number two is confidence is not something that you achieve. It's a state of being. It's a choice of being confident, of trusting that you can take the action and being willing to take the action regardless how afraid you are and regardless if you've ever done it before or not. Mm-hmm. And number three is to commit to spending 15 minutes each and every day on visibility, influence, and sales, on taking that wonderful old action on either your visibility or your influence or your sales each and every day because that's going to propel your business forward faster than anything else just by taking that one action every day in one of those three key areas. Wow, that's awesome. Awesome. I love all three of those tips. Uh, We will definitely be, I'm sure, revisiting those. I hope everyone out there had a pen and a paper for those three key tips. Before we go, um, share how people can reach you if they want to connect you or learn more about developing this outrageous confidence. Um, you can always visit my website, cindyjholbrook.com, but also I have a gift for you. You can go to visibilitychecklist.com, mm-hmm. visibilitychecklist, and download uh, seven steps that's going to radically up-level your visibility. Wonderful. And that um, is visibility checklist? Visibilitychecklist.com, Yes. Awesome. 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 Well, thank you for that free gift. I always love getting free gifts for our members. Um, I'm so excited and it's been so fantastic speaking with you and learning from you and hearing your words of wisdom. So um, I do thank you so much for being here on the show. Well, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. Awesome. For all of you out there, um, I know uh, that there was something in this conversation tonight that was important for you, something in this conversation that you wanted to hear, that you needed to hear, and I hope that that information serves you well moving forward. Um, Remember, what I always say is not so much about the information um, and having the information that counts. What really matters is what you do with the information. So use um, the information that you received today here from Cindy J and take some small, bold actions, um, something to really, really stand out, something to begin really expressing your outrageous confidence so that you can set your business apart from the rest. For those of you out there, next time, uh, we will get back together again next Monday night, same time, same station. And until next time, continue taking steps to live your most amazing life. Until next time, everybody. Bye-bye. Big hugs. Bye-bye. 
Thanks for joining us. Don't forget to visit us on Facebook at Successful Women Rock to check out past shows and share show ideas. And remember to join our Successful Women Rock Facebook group. Until next time, continue all that you do to rock your life. See you on the next show.